Welcome to Argyle Chat, the Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by the Herald Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Argyle Chat. Today I am joined by Baron Cross and Jack Ball as we look back on Argyle's 1-0 draw at Southend United, courtesy of Ryan Edwards' first goal for the club. Hi chaps. Good morning. Good morning to you. Good result for Argyle. Jack, we'll start with you, you're the big Argyle fan. Happy with the point? Yeah, I think we were all talking in the office last week about how, how good Southend have recruited, at least on paper, throughout the, throughout the uh, summer. Obviously just missed out on the playoffs last year. I think Peterborough, Charlton and Southend aren't the easiest starts for Argonne. I think four points from those three games is not a bad return. Also good that Argyle have you know got their first away point of the season. And <laughs> the funny thing was the fact that um, we've conceded goals, own goals, more own goals than opposition goals on, on away games, but we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, Baron, good point for Argyle. Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, I think um, uh, when May comes around, we'll look back on those results at the start of the season and I think they'll be seen as very good results. Uh, I think Derek made the point of saying that Charlton went and battered Northampton 4-1 at the weekend, so you know, beating them at home part was a very good result and Peterborough just seem to keep on winning, don't they? Mm. I think um, I think a, a very, very narrow 2-1 defeat at, um, at London Road will, will come out as a, as a fantastic result. And, like Derek again alluded to on Saturday, I think Southend will be there or thereabouts. I mean, I saw a few tweets knocking around yesterday when we did the uh, the Twitter roundup saying that Michael Kiteley just shouldn't be playing at League One level. Apparently, he was he was fantastic. So, I think absolutely right. I mean, I think you take a point away from home at, at most sides in League One, but especially at somebody who's going to be in the, surely in the, in the top ten at the very least uh, come May. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Southend had a fantastic season last year, yeah, as you exactly. say, picking yeah. up players like Kitely over the summer. They're, yeah. they're a strong team to be Very much so. reckoned with, aren't they? Mm. Just one thing I want to speak to you guys about. Um, I mean, there's, it's the second time we've seen it this season. We saw it on the opening day with Peterborough, and we saw it again at the weekend, and even with Charlton as well. The, the conflicting views of the two managers. Yeah. I mean, you know, Phil Brown came out of the weekend and said it's the most one-sided one all he's ever seen. Mm. Derek Adams is saying it was a fair point for our goal I mean what do you guys make of that do you, do you think much can be read into what opposition managers are saying I suppose it's just playing the media game isn't it I suppose that if they're doing their job properly everything that comes out of their mouth has got to be to the benefit of their own particular players going into the next week so perhaps that that's the way Phil Brown's sort of trying to keep his spirit his players spirits up obviously they've just come off the back of a a 5-0 hammering at Rotherham going against Argyle by all accounts had the, the best of it in the first half and have come away from the match with, with just one point. So perhaps it's his way of just trying to keep the players' spirits of going into the following week. But um, it's always going to be the way, isn't it? I think in the time that um, I've covered Argyle with, with Derek Adams in charge, I can only recall one or two occasions where he's actually come out and, and criticised the players in any way at all or said that they deserve to lose. So I think they're, they're always going to look on the, on, the, on the bright side, aren't they? I think with those situations as well, a manager will have a game plan. You know, it, it may be to soak up all the pressure in the first yes. half and then try and win the game second course, half. Yeah. So, you know, if, if the players are carrying out the manager's instructions, then he's entitled to. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, what, what, I mean, what do you think, Jack? Well, yeah, pretty similar to Barry. You know, it happens up and down the whole football system, doesn't it? You, you watch match of the day in Premier League, well, the manager will think it's a penalty, the often uh, manager won't. It's just the way football works. And also, it depends how you judge success, as you're sort of just saying there. You know, Argyle might have had to defend when they needed to, but if they did that well, then Derek Adams is bound to be happy with that and say there's a job well done. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm, you can't always read too much into stats, but Argyle had 10 shots, Southend had 16. Shots on target, Argo had four, Southend had three. So, you know, it depends which way you read stats and how you look into it. Mm. But, you know, a 1-1 draw is a good result, I think, for both teams, really, come the end of the season. 
Yeah, many ways to skin a cat, as they say. Um, plenty of questions sent in to us once again. So uh, thanks to all of you out there that have taken the time out to send us some questions. We'll start with one from Dave Searle. Why are Argyle conceding early goals? Three out of the four league games Argyle have conceded in the first few minutes. Is this a worry or is it coincidence? Well, well the, the, oh, I was going to say, go on, Jay, you go. well, obviously, <laughs> the, the Charlton game wasn't a league game and they didn't concede in that one. But uh, Bristol City, well, they just came flying out of the trap. You know, Argyle just all over the place. It wasn't. It was a team that hadn't necessarily played together too much. And then the other two games, it was an, a very unlucky own goals, which are, are sort of freakish goals that seem just have happened to have happened two times in a row now I wouldn't draw too much into that you know it's not every day that Gary Sawyer will be scoring an own goal or Sonny Bradley will be putting away what was a very good header in the opening few minutes I think uh, the good thing about Derek Adams and especially in the, the whole time he's been at our goal he seems to be able to rally the players and the heads don't often tend to drop so I wouldn't read too much into that I would say if our goal conceding sloppy goals in terms of the opposition scoring against them it would be more of a concern than two very unlucky own goals Aaron? Yeah, it's too early to read anything into it, isn't it, really? It's, um, we've only had three league matches, and it, I don't think there's a trend yet. I mean, you can't say there's a trend after that many matches. I think you have to look at you know at least ten matches to say there's a trend. I think it's just one of those things. I mean, it's, it's two very, very freak goals. Gary Sawyer and, and Sonny Bradley have obviously done what they thought was best in terms of getting in the way of some shots on goal, and it's, it's just mm. not just not gone the right way for them. So I think, I think uh, Dave, it's, it's, it's a little bit too early to read too much into it. I think as well, the fact that Argyle have had three out of their four games so far this season away from home, you know, the onus is always on the home team to come out and yeah, attack, isn't it? Absolutely so, right, yeah. you know, it's, they're more than likely, This, you know, the average will, will tell you that they're likely to come out and certainly create chances and yeah. possibly score a goal. Uh, moving on to another question from Richard O. Two own goals in the two league games away. Sonny Bradley's was particularly spectacular, as, uh, as Jack just mentioned there. Is it bad luck or are goal defenders feeling the pressure of League One? If it's the latter, what can Adams do to steady the ship? Again, as, as Baron just said, it's far too early to start saying can the players not handle the pressure. It's been three league games and I think, as I've already said, four points is a good return from that. You know, it's a step up in level. There's some fantastic players in this league. Argyle faced, I think, three teams that will be up there this season. So I think four points is a very good return. You can, Derek Adams, when you're doing all your, all your planning for matches, all your preparation... You can't you can't plan for two freakish own goals. That's just not something that magic can control. So uh, yeah, I think uh, in terms of what can Adams do to steady the ship, I don't think there's a, a wobbly ship to steady just yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if, I think if we went into a press conference with Derek Adams and asked him if uh, two own goals meant that the players were feeling the pressure of league one, he'd probably have a, a smile if not laugh at us. It's yeah, it's just you, as, as we said, Dave. So you, you can't read too much into it. I think um, I think Richards. Richard make a good journalist. He's sort of going in there with, with yeah. those kinds of, uh, of questions. But no, I think, um, like Jack says, there's no there's no shit to steady at the moment. I don't think. I don't think that, that can be said. They're feeling the pressure. They're just doing their job and trying to get in the way of these shots. And unfortunately, on two occasions, it's gone in. But also, yeah. you can flip it around and, and say in the, in the two away games so far in the league, our goal because only considered one goal from from you know set play for, or sort of from open play from the opposition. So if you take away the two freakish goals, considering one goal away to Southend and Peterborough isn't isn't bad at all. No, that's right. And you've got to remember as well, it's a, a, a relatively new backline as well with Ryan Edwards coming in and forming a centre-back partnership yeah. with uh, with Sonny. Baron, you've seen most of the games this season. What, mm. what have you made of, of Ryan Edwards? Yeah, he's, he's come across as quite impressive, really. He's, um, he's got a good range of passing. He's quite confident on, on the ball. So um, in a similar way to Sonny Bradley last season, when he when he has got the ball at his feet and he's got a bit of time to look up and, and pick a pass, he'll, he'll pick that pass and he's not afraid to, to spray them down the flanks to, to either Grants or Jervis. Um, he certainly looks assured. I mean, he's just come off the back of, uh, of um, 
a series of awards with Morecambe. I think he won he won two or three awards at their end of uh, end of season ceremony. So he's certainly not short on confidence. He clearly feels moving uh, moving this far away from home is a good move for him. And I think alongside Sonny Bradley, he's got another very confident operator. So moving forward, they're going to make for a fantastic partnership. And it was really really good to see Edward score the weekend because it gets him off the mark and. It gets the fans talking about him a little bit more and uh, he'll feel that positivity and I think um, it may even sort of create a rivalry of sorts with Sonny Bradley perhaps as to see who, who can score most goals because Edwards has obviously now proved that he, he's capable of getting on the, the end of Carey's crosses and, and, and set-piece deliveries as well. Yeah, and good ages as well, aren't they? You know, they're both quite yeah. young lads. So they're certainly selling value with, uh, with both yeah. of them. If and they, the fact that with Sonny being left-footed as well and, and Edwards right is really perfect really balance, well, yeah. What I liked about it was the goal as well. I mean, you know, you love when you've got those corners. Any any fan will tell you they'd just love to see the defender come steaming yeah. in and those bullet headers into the Heading back across goal. Exactly, the far yeah. corner. Um, Michael Eddy, really pleased to see another positive result on Saturday. Firstly, I think given the first three games and how well Argyle, how well Argyle have played, uh, they're more than capable of competing at this level. We kind of touched on it already. As you say, Jack, the teams they've played so far, you'd expect to be in the top half of the table and Argyle have matched them, haven't they? And again, Argyle got Scunthorpe coming up who are another team that were up there up there last season. I think that history's shown that teams that make the step up from League 2 can do well in the league. I don't, I, we've said many times, I don't think that this is, there's a big gap between League 2 and League 1. Um, getting the first three points of the season was important at home to Charlton last week. Getting the first away point was important um, at the weekend. All these sort of milestones you're ticking off, I think, helps the confidence of the team and will just help you tick along nicely. And I think the, the advantages that Argyle has, I mean, a lot of fans, when, when, when the bookies release their, their odds for the season, are wondering why Argyle are always not rated very well. I prefer that. I think a lot of people would prefer that. You get teams like Portsmouth, who are always expected to do well. And the pressure seems to sometimes, I know they went on to win a league last year, but they've been bookies mm. famous, I think, for the four years before that. So... And they're one of the favourites again this year. I think not being the f- the favourites is a good thing for Argon. It's, it stops the pressure, and they can ease into the, the, the league, which they're doing at the moment. Yeah, Baron. Yeah, I think I think they absolutely have shown that they can compete. I think it's um, it's proved a blessing in disguise the um, the difficulty of the opening they've had because it's it's shown people straight away that they can compete with the best of them. I think, as we've already alluded to, with the results that, that Peterborough and Charlton have gone on and got. Uh, Southend, of course, beat Blackburn at Rootsall on the opening day of the season, and Argyle have gone there and done better than than the, the title favourites. So I think it, it it more than shows Derek Adams and the players. I think the players more importantly because there'll be some players there that haven't played League One football before, and their confidence will be will be will be sky high now, knowing that they're going into those matches and, and competing with the best. And when the when the fixture list does ease up a little bit, and they've got a few of the maybe lesser teams in League One, and they can really sort of go in there and feel as though they can beat these sides. Yeah, what, what about the recruitment Derek Adams has made then? We've spoken about Ryan Edwards and what mm. good signing he looks. Is there any, anyone else that's really caught your eye? Yeah, I think I think in pre-season, uh, Lamiras and Ainsworth really impressed me. Uh, unfortunately for them, they obviously haven't had the sort of chances that other players have had. I think, you know, as we well know, Adams is, is very unlikely to change a winning side, especially sides that are delivering good results. So... We've seen Jervis continue where Ainsworth might have played and obviously Carey is playing where Lemires could play. So uh, Grant has actually stood up for me, uh, Joel Grant down the, down the left flank. I think um, uh, based on Chris's ratings, he didn't do particularly well um, on Saturday and got, got hooked at half-time. But, uh, but, but up to then, I thought he'd done pretty well. He did very well at Peterborough. Um, aside from that, I mean, Edwards, I can't think of any of the new signings that have, that have really featured that much apart from Grant and Edwards. I mean, that just shows sort of how well the sort of tried and tested 
nine or ten players that Adams is used to playing have coped. Um, yeah. it, it would appear that Gary Miller stepped up in, in Frauchel's absence, certainly in the short term anyway, which would be music to Derek yeah. Adams' ears, because obviously he knows if, if he loses Miller or if Miller has a, has a couple of shockers, then he's got very few options there at right back. Yeah, you mentioned the, the, the ratings there that Chris gave. It should, it should be pointed out, I suppose, that I think it was a tactical thing from Derek Adams, wasn't it? And down to the state of the pitch, he felt that it wasn't a pitch to play football on. Yeah, they yeah. just had to go more direct. So I think that's kind of why he was sacrificed. There's a competition for places which most excited me. I yeah. think the fact that you've got the likes of Lemires, Ainsworth, Greg Wilde, who's already got his goal-scoring account underway this season, I think the fact that you've got those options on the bench is very exciting. And like Baron said, Ainsworth, in the games that I was on pre-season, I know you can't talk too much into pre-season, the games I saw, he was very exciting, as was Lemiris. And the fact you've got them on the bench that can come on in the second half and possibly the opposition is starting to tire is a very big you know, weapon in our, in our God's armoury. Yeah. Uh, another question from Michael. Uh, he's <laughs> admitted that in the past he's given some stick to stand in right back Gary Miller, but I feel he's stepped up his game and I don't feel like he's a weak link so much going on the South End performance. He is very much the sort of boo boy, isn't he, at home park? He's the sort of. He sort of replaced Kelvin Mello with yeah, that yeah, right back role yeah. where fans aren't really on his side. And, and I've got to be honest, I've not been Gary Miller's biggest supporter since he's arrived, but any good player will be able to battle back from that adversity and sort of do well. Kelvin Mello showed that at Blackpool where he became part of the League Two team of the year last year. And Gary Miller in the Charlton game, I think that was one of his best performances that I've seen. Now, I wasn't at South End, so I can't comment too much on that performance, but he certainly. Um, he certainly done a job and he's certainly starting to find his feet it's interesting because when you follow players on social media like Instagram you look at their stories Gary Miller seems to be very much pally with a lot of the players and he seems to be at the forefront of a lot of a lot of the fun times so you can see why he fits into the team in that in that sort of way um, but good for him to, to be able to sort of not let that get to him and, and work hard and everyone wants the same thing everyone's going for the same thing and it, it's good that if fans can finally sort of see that side of him and start maybe showing him a bit more support yeah, and Argo will need him to play well at the moment, Baron, with uh, Oscar Avenue. Yeah, absolutely right. Leg fracture. Adams has got very few other options to play at right back, so he needs Miller to step up and, more importantly, stay injury free. Because <clears throat> if he gets injured, then I don't know what they're going to do. They're probably going to have to go to three at the back, I would think. And maybe expect Ainsworth or Jervis to, to operate a little bit more defensively, which obviously isn't really in their game. Yeah. Uh, another comment from Michael. Derek's tactical awareness was certainly on show, and you could see what a sought after manager he could be for any club in a higher division. I don't feel like he would leave our goal on a whim, and I feel like the club has reached great stability throughout. And that's something that Derek certainly brought to our goal, isn't it? Is that sort of success yeah. and stability? Absolutely right. Yeah, he's, he's certainly steadied the ship as it was I mean I know um, Sheridan gets a lot of credit for what he did or sorry perhaps doesn't get as much credit as he should get for what he did I mean Sheridan's before my time but from what I've read uh, I get the impression that Argyle were, were really really struggling and Sheridan came in and, and really improved them and kicked things off and, and sort of created that foundation but Derek has very much kicked on he's got one of the best winning percentages I think of Argyle managers over history um, I don't know what, what more we can say about Derek we haven't already said to be honest he's um, Again, I wasn't at Southend on Saturday either, but I read David Monday's piece, uh, a bit of analysis after the full-time whistle on Saturday, and I get the impression that Derek's half-time switch and the double substitution at half-time, the change to a 4-4-2 worked absolute wonders, and obviously mm. it eventually led to the goal as well. So I think you would have to say that you know he's, he's shown great tactical awareness. You don't get to where he is in the game without being a good tactician. It can't all be luck. So we'll see how we go. I mean, it's it's been a very, very positive start. Um, obviously, he's still got a couple of players he wants to get in, which I'm sure we can discuss later on. But um, up to now, it's, it's been very positive, hasn't it? I mean, it's, it's hard to say much else. Yeah, Jack, as a, as a fan, is it a worry that you know he could get poached? 
I'd much rather be in a position where your manager's sought after than nobody wants him. That's that's you know, un- under John Sheridan, he obviously he did turn Argyle around from a very a struggling team, but going to Argyle almost became a bit mature, really. You know, you sort of you sort of went along because you support them because you love the club, but you left sort of feeling a bit down. Even when we won games, you know, they won they won the joyous moments that they've been under Derek Adams. Derek Adams has arrived, and it's almost like that cloud sort of lifted over Home Park, and the good times of return. You sort of remembered what it's like to really enjoy a match day, and. He's shown in every sort of every, every avenue what a good manager can be. Is, is most of his signings have been fantastic. They've done they've done the job that he's put them to do. They're versatile players that can fill in different roles. He's good in the loan market. He seems to be able to attract players he's worked with before. He seems to he's really appealed himself to the fans, which again John Sheridan did not do. He, mm. he didn't put his face about. He didn't really interact with fans too much. Jack Adams t- attends forums and he he does all the right things really. And he's he's as Chris has mentioned a lot. He's he's very specific in his detail. And I think. He has all the makings to be a, a top manager either at this level or definitely in Scotland. Yeah, and of course, his, uh, the tactical prowess he has, which he showed at Southend, and as you, as you mentioned as well, he, he sort of says the things that the fans want to hear as well, doesn't and, he? And as, well, as well, I think, again, we've talked about it before, but again, James Brent and the board deserve credit for tying him down to a long contract because perhaps if he was only on a one or two year deal, and, and maybe there wasn't so much money that maybe possibly had to be paid to get him out of that contract, he might be snapped up sooner than would be yeah one final question then before we go on to uh, the transfer situation uh, from Ollie Gibbs what have you thought of the performances of Nathan Blissett so far and do you think he could oust Ryan Taylor one player we haven't mentioned is, is Blissett he's kind of gone under the radar a bit really Barry. yeah Jack might be better placed I've, I've not I don't think I've actually seen Blissett yet I think um, you saw him at Bristol and you saw him against Charm didn't you so he might be better yeah placed. no well at, at Bristol he just didn't get any service it's really hard when you're playing that lone striker or if you don't have any service it's it's quite it's quite harsh to judge a player too you know too in depth. You can't you can't blame someone if they're not getting any balls past them. Against Charlton, yeah, he he really, he really was being more of that target man. He was getting the ball down to the ground well. He was setting up other players. It's hard because it, when when you're a striker, if you don't have a especially when you're playing in a one man system up front, if you don't have a run in the team, it's very hard to get that sort of confidence and build your build your confidence. We saw that with Ryan Brunt at Argyle. You know, he he was in and out of the team and wasn't doing much, and then he got into the team. I think possibly because of injury, and and he started scoring goals on a regular basis. And I think if you're not getting that regular first team football, it's very hard for to come in and get any sort of momentum going. Obviously, he's had to come in now, and he's got a chance to prove himself. And we also, when this arrived, this is possibly one of his last chances to have a career in the football league. And this is his chance. You know, he if I go bring in another striker, which obviously Adams is trying to do, he may well fall down the pecking order again. So he's got a, this little short window to show what he can do. And I think against Charles, he did that. And from what I've heard, he wasn't too bad at Southend either. Yeah, I, I do think when you get a player from non-league, I mean, Argyle had it with Jamie Mackey as well, they have that hunger mm. that you perhaps wouldn't get from a player that's come the other way, you know, from a Premier League team. They've, you know, these strikers have been around, they know what it's like to be released, they've co- kind of gone through that pain, really. Mm. It's all lost, no ego. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, no ego, yeah. And, no, no, and he, I think he'll know he doesn't have a right to be playing. You know, some players that have got the big ego will come in and think that they deserve to be on the team sheet because of their name. Mm. And I don't think, yeah, that you necessarily get that when you're a player that's come up from the lower ends. Yeah, he certainly seems to have adapted well to uh, to League One level, though, given that he's, he's not played there before. Uh, as you say, though, Argyle are still in the search for a striker. A lot of specula- speculation at the moment, Baron, about um, Celtic's Nadir Chifty. Yeah, Chifty. Chifty, is Chifty. it? There's those little sort of funny accents on the seat. Oh, okay. Chifty. My Turkish isn't too great, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what can you tell us about him? You had a, a bit of a look at yeah. him over the weekend, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, I had so, a look at him yesterday. What's, yeah, what's his scouting report? In one word, colourful. Um <laughs> It's, it's, it's got a fascinating sort of backstory to him. He's still only 25, but it feels like he's done quite a lot in the game already. I think um, 
the headline is you can't avoid the fact he's at Celtic. So clearly he's gone to Celtic for a reason. Um, he arrived there in 2015 uh, for one and a half million pounds on a four-year deal from Dundee United, where he had the two best years of his career, to be honest. Um, that, that sort of stands out as an anomaly almost. He's, he hasn't really been prolific anywhere else, but he had two years at Dundee United underneath uh, Jackie McNamara. And he scored uh, roughly 30 goals in 80 games, which is pretty, pretty good turnaround. And that was in European competition and in the Scottish Premiership. So he, come, he got a good pedigree when the manager gets it right with him. Um, the flip side to that is his disciplinary issues. Hard to, hard to ignore. You know, you asked going through that yesterday and sort of sort of trying to pick through it and maybe just sort of maybe ignore the odd misdemeanor here and there, but there was, there's a lot of them. <laughs> the one that stands out um, that Premier League fans will be familiar with, with Luis Suarez, was, um, was in 2015 as well, just before he arrived at Celtic. Uh, he was given a six-match ban for biting. Um, so he bit uh, Dundee's Jim McAllister on the leg during a... Um, Scottish Cup tie in the season before that so he's certainly got previous uh, I think when he was at NAC Breeder in 2013 so 2012 he got involved in some training ground incidents with teammates uh, he's been suspended in the past for in other words grabbing uh, assistance sort of by the scruff of the neck if you like that's a polite way of putting it which obviously you cannot do and I think he's also sort of had £6,000 fines in Turkey as well with, with gobbing off at referees and things when he's been sent off I think he had two yellow cards inside 60 seconds in Turkey <laughs> in his second match. So the positive way of saying he's a different fighter. So <laughs> yeah. he's clearly got the, the mental sort of aptitude for a bit of a scrap. And at League One football, that may not be a bad thing. Now, as long as he treads the right side of the line, I mean, we all, we've all seen what the likes of Luis Suarez can do. I mean, he has mm. got that, that, that bite, that fight to him, which, which can be used in the right way. As long as that sort of aggression... Uh, and that, that will to right win way, is channeled in the right way. He's clearly got the technical ability to deliver it. You know, he was something of a wonder kid when he was a when he was a teenager. Portsmouth paid eighty grand for him when he was fifteen, while they were still in the Premier League. Eventually, played a few games for them and then, and then moved on uh, with his career. But um, yeah, he's out of favour at Celtic. He's been out of favour for two years now. He's never really got a look in up there. That's two managers that don't rate him. So maybe he's not been given a chance. But you know, if, if two different managers with different opinions don't think he's ready for their side, then maybe. Celtic at least is beyond him perhaps yeah. which is why it's been made available so if at, at this stage of the transfer window two weeks still to go if he's available on the right financial terms he's certainly worth a punt I mean he's got the best goal scoring record of any striker that Adams has been linked with or has brought in so I, I think I, would, I think it's an exciting deal if you take everything into account I think, yeah. it, I think it could be a very good move Yeah, if, if it does come up I mean we're taking Pierre Van Hoyvank's word for it I mean, we know the transfer market's far from straightforward but if we're to believe STV in Scotland, then Van Hooydonk has said that Chichi should be down here this week. Yeah. Jack, is he a signing that would excite you? Well, he's a typical Derek Adams signing from, from what I've seen about him. You know, a player that possibly hasn't been in the best form, a player that's undoubtedly got potential. Um, and Derek Adams, as, as we know, has, has done well at getting the best out of players. We, we keep harping back to the likes of Jake Jervis, who... who Portsmouth fans laughed at when I announced his signing and he scored 29 goals in two and a bit seasons. Graham Carey, who no one really knew who he was before he came to Home Park. Um, even Sonny Bradley, I don't, I don't think people particularly rated him when he came and, and he went on to be Player of the Year. Adams has this knack of bringing in players and, uh, and <laughs> in some sort of twisted way, I'm sort of excited by the, by the colourful side of, 
that's a couple side of him as a mm. fan purely as a fan mm. I, Wait, I don't it, mind watching the old scrap and seeing yeah. like you said you've got to tread the line you've, you've it, got to be careful but I like to see a manager bust ups on the sideline I like seeing players giving a little push here and there and if you can bring some of that excitement to home park then I'm all for it it's like Man United when they signed Eric Cantona you know they signed this French yeah exactly and you know you have this history and what have you and he ends up winning them Premier League titles and, and, and if, he, Cups, if he gets the goals Argyle fans will be very forgiving that's the thing if you, if you can deliver on the performance as long as you're you know you're not stepping over the line where you're getting sent off on bands mm. here and there and that's costing the team and if you can score goals and you know give the fans a little laugh every now and again with a little push here and a little you know, Bradley <laughs> red card here and there Bradley ear in the finger here and there then I don't think too many people will be grumbling too much yeah I wonder how we'll deal with a, a sunny Bradley wet willy a... <laughs> you might have that in training yeah <laughs> exactly that'd be a test of his character that's for sure uh, so we do kind of know that a strike is on his way into home park whether it's uh, Chichi or not we'll, uh, we'll have to wait and see any other signings I mean Derek has alluded to the fact he wants two before mm. the window shuts he said two for a very long time and one of them one of which is a striker I'd be surprised he didn't I'm, I'm still think that possibly a second striker would be needed I think I think he's going to sign three Taylor, personally with Taylor out mm. and with Lissett okay he's not had a huge chance yet I, just, I think it's a lot of with no loan market once the transfer market shuts when that's gone that's gone you're putting a, you know you're, you're hoping that the ones that you've got work out now how easy it is to find two strikers in that time you know Derek's obviously been biding his time to find one so to get two in that time central midfielder is the other position that I like to mm. see them strengthening with Jamie Ness only just coming back from injury you're relying on Sarsavich playing in a position where he's possibly not familiar with and obviously you've got Fox so I think central midfielder and two strikers would be ideal for what I would I'd like to see yeah, it's interesting to see uh, Jamie Ness played for the South Western League team at the weekend and according to Tim Herbert he was one of the standout players in the league and made his team of the week he, so, didn't, look, he, didn't, look, he didn't look awful when he came on in the Checker Trade Trophy game either obviously he looked a little bit rusty but he's, he's certainly got an eye for a pass and he, yeah I, th- I think when he gets back to fitness that'll be great but I still think with no loan market you just need that bit of depth yeah Baron what, what, what do you think Derek's moves yeah, will be between it, now and Derek then. Derek seemed to reiterate to Chris on Saturday that it, it was going to be two signings, but yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I think it, I think it could be three if, if the, the options are there for him. It may well depend if, if he can get Fletcher out on loan. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think certainly one striker, if not two. I mean, it was, it was two signings with at least one striker before Taylor was injured, but you know, with broken ankles, Taylor could come back when he's technically back and it's healed. Yeah. It doesn't there's no guarantee he'll actually come back and be any use. So. I wouldn't be surprised if it is two strikers and a, and a central midfielder. That's what I'd like to see. Um, but even if it's a temporary loan until the January window, yeah, just some, I mean, you know someone to cover the bases. Really. Absolutely right. I think I think just to cover things because as we know, there are now loans between um, between transfer windows, are there? So what he's got at the end of August is what he's got to go with until January. So I don't think he'll want to take that risk. But the, the market is tricky, isn't it? I mean, and, and unfortunately, as we've seen with the very very big clubs around Europe teams aren't willing to sort of let players go until they've got their replacements in and of course the knock-on effect as they go further and further yeah. down the ladder is that the smaller teams further down the divisions have to wait even later so if, if, if for instance there's a Premier League club going for a championship striker the championship club wants to get their replacement in before they can then let somebody else go down to League One so I think um, we'll see I mean I think I think it will be at least two but and also knowing Derek Adams, you know, as 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 Chris has said, you know, he's very his attention to detail and, and he's very specific in what he wants. And you know, if Ron Taylor doesn't come back from injury and then Blissett gets injured or or the any new striker gets injured, you just not have that backup. It just seems very un Adams like this is a man that brought in three goalkeepers yeah. last season. 
you know, just, just to, for that cover. So I'd be quite surprised. With a broken ankle, you, you might as well rule Ryan Taylor out until January at least. Pretty you know, not yeah. just the fact he's got to recover from the injury. He's, he's then got to get match fit, yeah. which is going to take But also, he's, you know, he's struggled weeks. with injury last season as well. It's just, mm. you know, there's no, no saying that when he gets back to fitness, he doesn't, he's not going to pick up another injury. He seems to have struggled the last few seasons with injury. Yeah. Just one final thing then. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about the transfer window and, and perhaps bringing it forward to before the season starts. What, what do you guys think of that? Do you think that's what needs to happen? Mm. It's difficult because of the ramifications it has across Europe because obviously, you know, not every league starts at the same time, does it? Yeah, so. yeah I think, I think you'd, you'd struggle to find people that follow English football disagreeing with, uh, with that idea. I think most people who are fans of their own clubs would find themselves frustrated at, um, at, the, at the knock-on effect and it does seem to have more negative than positive impact. I mean, I'm still at a loss as to explain why it is the way it is. I mean, you thought it would make it, it's just basic sense to have the squad you want in place before the first game of the season. It just seems to make things so much easier for people. Yeah. Jack? Just to make, make uh, squad photos a bit easier. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, I, I sort of see both sides, you know, because if you're in a playoff battle, you've got such a short turnaround between your season ending and just say it was the end of July where the, where the deadline deadline cuts the thing that, may, that annoys me again is it seems to be Premier League managers getting a bit annoyed because they're the ones for once that are having their players poached we'll try managing at a lower league level where it happens all the time you know mm. you see Liverpool fans in particular at the moment with Coutinho getting quite angry at that and you think well you've poached Southampton players for the last god knows how many years and it's happening to you for once and you, you're all up in arms about it but again it's got the line with, with the rest of Europe isn't it and it'll be interesting to see how, how that happens mm. I enjoy deadline day as it is <laughs> But yeah, I, I can see why managers possibly want that to change. Well, that's it. Deadline day has almost become a, a novelty in itself, really. You know, it's one of the most looked forward to days on the in the football calendar, really. So, uh, and also, but also, then it could make it even more exciting if it is on the Friday before the start of the season, because it could make for a, you know a really exciting sort of prelude to, to sort of the like action draft, getting draft underway. The NFL, yeah, it? exactly. So there's, uh, I, I think the big issue though is just getting it in line with the rest of Europe. That's where the, the problem lies with the with Premier League clubs. But uh, indeed, we'll see. We shall see. We'll yeah. Okay. About. Well, yeah. Time to get back to work, guys. Uh, that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks, Jack and Baron, for joining me. We'll be back again next week with more of the same. But don't forget, we will host our Argyle web chat on Friday ahead of their home clash with Scunthorpe. Thanks for listening. Bye bye. We are always happy to hear from you, and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account, at Herald PAFC, or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.